couple of things that you really might want to consider between now and year end, because if this does get to the Senate, if it passes, if President Trump signs it, then there's some things that you want to do in the next month to take advantage of the current tax law. Recharacterizing your Roth conversion, getting that knee replacement, meeting with every client you've got across the country, and more. Today on this Thanksgiving episode of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al cover many things you might want to do right away before tax laws potentially change in a big way come January 1st. Also, Susie Orman thinks everyone should work until they're 70. We'll find out what Walter Updegrave from Real Deal Retirement Retirement.com and Money Magazine thinks about that. And we've got 20 retirement stats that will blow you away, so they say. Plus, Big Al reveals his secret man crush, and the fellas discuss how they enjoy the music of John Denver. Now, here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Alan, we have some more news on tax reform. Well, Joe, that we do, because the House, House Republicans, passed their... uh, tax reform bill. So if you haven't been kind of paying attention, here's a little review. On November 2nd, the House came up with a, with a tax bill that cha- would change a lot of things starting in 2018. doesn't really impact 2017 with a few minor exceptions, but mostly for 2018. So they passed their bill, 227 votes in favor, 205 bo- votes against. And But that doesn't mean it's tax law yet. That just means the House passed their version. Now, the Senate, by the way, has their own version, which is similar but different. And should they pass it, that one is is, that one's more iffy because there's only 52 Republicans and they need to have 50 sign off on it. In all likelihood, there'll be no Democrats agreeing with it. And there's already at least one Republican who's come out publicly and said, I'm not supporting it. So they can only lose uh, maybe two more. Are those votes um, public record that you know who voted for what, or is it just a number? Is it, like uh, a, is it a s- secret ballot? You know what? I I assume it's public, but I don't know for sure, and I do not have it here. Huh. But I do know that uh, there were there was not a hundred percent Republicans in the House that passed that that wanted to pass this, and the ones that had trouble with this were on in California, New York, New Jersey, because one of the basic principles in this tax reform act is that you can no longer deduct your state and local tax, meaning that in California we have such a high tax rate. I mean, it's nine point three percent for a lot of people, and if you're in the highest bracket, it's actually thirteen point three percent. So with that high of a tax there's a little mitigating factor that you can deduct that tax against your federal taxable income to reduce the federal tax that you pay. And there is some justification, Joe, because it's kind of like, well, you're paying taxes twice on the same dollars, so maybe you ought to get some benefit. And then there's states like Nevada that don't have any state tax. Anyway, this tax bill is, uh, it really is kind of unfair if you're trying to do fairness uh, compared to what we had before, I guess, uh, in terms of people that live in high-tax states are are really not going to see near as much benefit from this tax act as other states. So after Thanksgiving, we'll probably see what goes on with the Senate. And, right. And um, yeah. from there. And yeah. So let's, let's say the Senate approves their version, which is, uh, it, it, like I say, it's a lot more iffy because they can only lose three Republican or two. They can only lose two Republican votes. If they lose three Republican votes, it's, it's dead. So then they have to go back to the drawing board and try to get those other three on board. But then sometimes when they do that, then they upset other Republicans for different things 
right? Because so, they don't, they're they're not in a hundred percent alignment. But let's just say it passes, Joe, the Senate. So now we have a Senate bill and a House bill. Those two need to be reconciled into a single bill, and then both House and Senate need to approve that one. And then if that happens, then President Trump can sign it, and then it's new tax law. And again, this would be effective 2018. The only thing that I heard um, that would be retroactive to 2017 um, is the mortgage deduction. So right now, you can write off about $1.1 million of debt. Yeah. Right? In other words, your first $1.1 million that you borrow, you can write off the interest expense on that. And then that's going down to 500000 Correct. Um, on any home, new home purchases or financing that was done after November yeah. 2nd. Correct. Um, anything else that would be retroactive to 2017 that you've that read? Is, that is the only thing that I've seen that is uh, would be retroactive because that's based upon the date that it was first announced, which is November 2nd. So if you want to buy a house, <laughs> just cross your fingers and... Cross right? your fingers. And, and Joe, just as a, as a quick review, uh, if you haven't really been paying attention, the... Uh, the House, um, so they want to they want to take our current structure from seven brackets to four, and the brackets they want to have is twelve percent, twenty five percent, thirty five percent, and thirty nine point six. So thirty nine point six is the same rate as what we had before. They want to uh, just about double the standard deduction, single twelve thousand, married twenty four thousand dollars. So less people are going to itemize their deductions, but they want to get rid of exemptions. Because right now it's a little over $4,000 per person in your family. So that would be gone under this, this new tax act. And then there's a whole lot of itemized deductions that get taken away, like medical deductions go away. State and local tax deduction goes away. Unreimbursed employee expenses go away. Casualty losses go away. Mortgage interest is less of its deductible because they only let you borrow 500000 And if you happen to borrow a million, then only half of the interest that you pay is deductible. They do a, a pro rata allocation. Right. So, but if you had a million dollar loan prior to November 2nd, you can still write that off. Yeah. So that gets grandfathered in. There are a lot of tax strategies that may no longer be available come January 1st. How is this massive tax reform going to affect your business and your personal tax situation? If you haven't already started year-end tax planning, time is running out. Call Pure Financial Advisors at 888-994-6257 and make an appointment for a free, comprehensive, personalized tax assessment. That's 888-994-6257. We are down to the final weeks. Find out how your current tax strategy may be changed changing as 2017 ends and how you can make the most of the tax deductions that are still available. Call Pure Financial at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. We are on the cusp of 2018. And so we just talked a little bit about uh, tax reform. And there's some certain steps you might want to take into consideration before year end. Yeah, because Joe, as we were talking about, the House uh, voted and uh, approved their bill for tax reform. And by the way, the last tax, the major tax reform was 1986. Mm -hmm. So we're about three decades ago. That was under Ronald Reagan. So this is another pretty big major change. And I will tell you one thing, most of the, most of the provisions start in 2018. And this does not scrap the old tax code. This just changes it. 
I think that's important to know because a lot of the old tax rules still have to be there. This kind of sits on top of it, if you will. This kind of another wrapper, I guess, that you put on top of the tax code. So to actually completely rewrite the tax code would be a monumental undertaking. That would be pretty difficult. I suppose not impossible. But I want to tell you a couple things that you really might want to consider between now and year end, because if this does get through the Senate, if it passes, if President Trump signs it, then there's some things that you want to do in the next month to take advantage of the current tax, tax law. So here's a few of them. One is if you have any medical deductions or medical expenses uh, that you have an opportunity uh, to incur and pay for in December versus Get that knee versus, surgery done now. Versus January. Book it. Book it because it may not be deductible right? in January. You need a new hip? Get her done. Do it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> got some dental work? Yeah. All right. Here you do. You, right. thought, you thought you were going to visit the kids for, <laughs> yeah. for holidays? So your holidays nope. is going to be in a hospital bed. <laughs> I want you to get your hips replaced, the knee that you've been thinking about getting for all those years. Now's right. the time to do it. Here's another one, uh, which is this, your state taxes. Since state taxes would not be deductible next year, you might want to make sure, first of all, all of your state taxes for the current year are um, you have paid by December 31st. You might even want to prepay some of next year's tax. Of course, the problem with that is then you'll end up with a state tax refund, which is taxable on next year's return. So you're going to want to have your accountant help you figure out whether that's a great idea to overpay your state taxes. But at least you get a tax deduction for this year. depends upon your tax bracket. So l- let me ask you a question. So let's say my state tax... Um, is $20,000, hypothetically speaking. Right. And that state tax is due with my federal return in April 15th. Yeah. So I pay the Franchise Tax Board, if you live in California, or whatever state that you live in, and then you pay the, the IRS your federal tax. Right. So if I pay it in 2018 for my 2017 year, Yes. okay, and then they change the tax law and saying, all right, well, that $20,000 that you just paid the Franchise Tax Board... Now on my next return, I will not be able to deduct that. That's correct, because it was paid in 2018 when it's not deductible. Even though it was for 2017. Right. Yeah, right. Be- yeah. So you're saying, hey, don't wait until April to pay that thing. Right. Pay it before December 31st, so then you can write it off on your taxes while it's still law. That's right. Of course, there are caveats, Joe, because a state tax payment is not deductible for alternative minimum tax purposes. So if you're an Altman, you're screwed. Yeah, kind of, right? So you have to kind of do that calculation as well. Same thing goes with property taxes, because under the new law, you can deduct $10,000 of property taxes. Well, what if your property taxes in, in California, not that unusual to have it, be more than $10,000, $20,000 or more? Maybe you want to prepay some of that. Get that actually in 2017 while it's still deductible. Certainly, you'd want to pay what's due in December, and then you'd want to pay what's due in April of the following year. Maybe even pay more than that. So let's say... $20,000. And I've withheld taxes along the way, right? And so this is for individuals that potentially might have a tax bill that's due because I didn't withhold enough. Right. Right? Is that, that that's, So if any other um, taxes um, that I would owe when I do my taxes next year, let's say I my total taxes is $20,000, but when I do my taxes, you, you're my CPA and you say, Joe... You know, you owe another $4,000 to the state of California. Yeah. So with that, I want to pay that before the end of the year. You want to pay that in December. Or else it, it blows me up. But now, if, if I do a guesstimate, 
Yeah. And say, all right, well, I'm going to just throw ten grand. I'm just going to pay him ten thousand. Right. And I pay five thousand dollars extra. Yes. So I get the full deduction, but I pay too much to the state. Yes. Next year, that five thousand dollars overpayment to the state is now going to be taxable income to me the following year. That's right, and that's where it gets really tricky. Now, once state, let's say state taxes are no longer deductible, then the state tax refund will never be taxable, but there'll be a carryover year there. Right, because if you paid too much for 2017, if you get a refund, it would be income in 2018. So you got to be careful of that. Your property taxes, though, you paid too much there. You know, I don't know. Maybe you get a refund from your from your county. Yeah, that's good the, luck on that. Yeah, or or maybe they just apply it to the next to one. Next year. But at least you get a tax deduction. But here's another one, Joe, which is unreimbursed employee expenses. And if you're in sales and your company does not reimburse your travel and entertainment, gosh, you want to get all those expenses into 2017 so you can at least take a deduction. Because in 2018, that's no longer deductible. All right, so just do a, a massive Jam road trip. <laughs> <laughs> right, get in the car. Right. And you hit all those clients. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that you haven't seen in yeah. the next six weeks Do it now, and rack right? up a bunch of unreimbursed um, employee expenses. Right. So, you know what? The holidays, forget about it. You're working. You're in the you're hospital. Either, you're in the you're hospital or you're, or you're on the road. That's right. All right. So, here's another one. And this is this is probably only if you're, um, you're selling your residence. It's already in escrow. And now you're trying to decide, should I have it, the residence close in 2017? or 2018, if you've got the ability to manipulate. Because 2017 current law is you have to have lived in the home two out of the last five years to get a $250,000 exclusion from your gain, or $500,000 if you're married. So that simply means you're married. The first $500,000 of gain, you bought the home for $100,000, that's worth a million. Okay, you got a $900,000 gain. The first $500,000 of gain is tax-free, right? $900,000 minus $500,000, so you only pay tax on $400,000. And you lived in the home two years. Well, if it closes on January 2nd of 2018 and this passes, now you have to live in the home five out of the last eight years. And so you would pay taxes on the full $900,000. Yeah, and so if you are looking to sell... Or you're already in, in, you're already selling, but it's it's sometimes people say, well, maybe I should close my home sale in January. Or next no, year. I mean, or or let's say you're you're thinking about selling, right? And you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe we just kind of wait till next year. I, I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen with tax law? But right. if you've only lived there two out of the last five, and you want to get the one twenty one tax exclusion of two hundred fifty or five hundred thousand, that might be motivation for some people to say, "I'm going to pull the trigger." Right. Right. Hey, you know what? There's some good gain here that I've accumulated over the last several years. Or you're going to have to live in it five out of the last eight. Right. To get that exclusion. To get the right. same exclusion. Another one, Joe, uh, which has not gotten a lot of press, but under in the Senate bill. So this is different than the House bill. But if it passes, it's going to have to reconcile with the House bill. In the Senate bill, you can no longer specifically allocate a share of stock when you sell it. In other words, right now you buy all kinds of shares of Apple over time. And now you want to sell some of it because you want to kind of rebalance your portfolio and you got too much in Apple. So what you can do right now is you can say, you know what? The the shares that I pay the most for, I want to sell those because so, yeah, I got you, the lowest gain. Yeah, you look at your basis. Right. And you can say, all right, well, this block of shares is the one I want to sell, the one that's going to have either the most gain or least gain depending right. on your taxable income. Exactly. It's a great tax strategy yeah. that we use all the time. Right. So the IRS is saying that you have to do first in, first out. So in other words, the, the first one you 
bought is the first when you do sell some is the first one you sell now if you if you bought a stock and it keeps going up 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 what that means then is then you're going to have to sell those early shares that have lots of gain so how on earth are they going to track that when most people don't even know what their basis is yeah. let alone first in first out so they're going to they're going to rely on the broker is it first firms. in first out or yeah well, Last in, first out. Yeah, it's it, it, well, they want to change. FIFO or LIFO? They want to change it to FIFO. First in, first out, right? And first in, first out. You, I mean, stocks on average go up, right? And so that's forcing you to sell your early shares with higher gain. So that's what that's doing. <sighs> Interesting. So you may want to rebalance and and change your portfolio before December thirty first because of that. Right. Uh, or if you're looking at um, n- not a full rebalance, maybe you look at you just take a deeper dive right. into the portfolio. Yeah. And this is only for assets that are outside of retirement that's accounts. That's true. Yeah, you're right about so that. So if you only have retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, and, and the like, that's in a wrapper or a retirement account, it's all going to be taxed at ordinary income coming out anyway. So it doesn't necessarily matter. There's no sense to keep a track of basis. Right. But it's your brokerage accounts that's subject to a capital gains tax. And to mitigate some of that ta- uh, cap gains tax, is where you look at block shares to say, these are the shares I want to sell, given whatever gain they have in them. Um, sometimes we look, if someone's in a low tax bracket, because there's no capital gains tax in the 15%. Right. So you might want to use the ones with the highest gains, right? Because you have room in that bracket. You sell the highest gains, there's no tax on it. Next year, you're going to be in a little bit higher tax bracket. You, and then you have a little bit higher basis right. the next time you sell around. And so your tax bite's going to be you know yeah. easier to, to swallow. Well, that's right. And, and I know it sounds weird, but sometimes Sometimes uh, creating a tax loss or or selling to rebalance and not having a lot of gain. Sometimes you want a tax loss harvest. Sometimes you want a tax gain harvest because in the lowest two brackets right now, the 10% and 15% bracket, when you have a long-term capital gain, the tax rate is zero. So that's a pretty good rate. Call us at 888-994-6257 right away for your free comprehensive end-of-year tax analysis. 888-994-6257. With the tax landscape changing rapidly and so many people unprepared for retirement, do you know what's in your retirement future? Visit the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com and download our free retirement readiness guide. It contains little-known secrets about creating income to last a lifetime, making the most of your investing strategy in retirement, taking control of your taxes, and much more. You'll learn seven plays to help you get retirement ready despite all these uncertainties we're facing. Download the free retirement readiness guide from the white paper section of the Learning Center at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. So, uh, Joe, we're talking about this new house bill that actually uh, was was passed on November 16th. And uh, that's a new tax bill that uh, dramatically changes our tax law. But before you get too excited, (laughs) the Senate has to pass their own version of the bill, which may be even more difficult than the House. And if they do, then the two... Uh, chambers have to get together and reconcile the differences, and then they both have to approve a, a combined bill, if you will. However, be that as it may, uh, if this thing does go through, there's some things that you really want to do right now, Joe, and, and one of them is to consider your Roth conversion strategy. And if you've, if you've listened to our show for any length, you'll know that we're big believers in creating tax-free income in retirement, and, and one of the best ways to do that is to do what's called a Roth conversion 
So you actually take some money out of your IRA and you directly send it to a Roth IRA. So that's called a conversion. Roth IRA is a retirement account still, uh, but it's uh, you do pay taxes on what you convert, but all future growth and income and principal is tax-free for you, your spouse, your kids, grandkids, whoever inherits it, tax-free forever. So that's why this is such a great tool. Right now, you can do the Roth conversion. And by the way, you can still do the Roth conversion next year under current law, but here's what you cannot do next year, 2018, under this law, is you can't do what's called a recharacterization. Recharacterization simply means that when you do the Roth conversion, you can change your mind after the fact. You can change your mind. If you do Roth conversion today, you can change your mind all the way until October 15th of 2018. In other words, you can do the conversion now, and then you do your tax return. You might even want to extend the tax return, so you have to file it by October 15th. At that point, you can say, you know what? I think I converted too much. I got into too high of a tax bracket. I want to pull some or all of that right. I don't back want to, to the, the IRA. Tax. Yeah, I don't want to pay the tax. So you're allowed to do that. And that's a pretty nice strategy. Think about it this way. What if you do a Roth conversion right now and whatever you invest in goes down in value? And then it's like by October, it's like, well, I converted $50,000. It's only worth 40000 right now. Do I really want to pay tax on fifty grand when my account's worth forty? The answer is no. So you can recharacterize it. That's available this year. Under the House bill that was just passed on Thursday, that is no longer available. The Roth conversions are a one-way street. So if you haven't done a Roth conversion yet, this would be an ideal year to take a look and see if you're a good candidate for it because we know that you have the ability to still do the recharacterization for this tax year. Next year, maybe, maybe not, depending upon if you have the, if the new tax act passes. I'm going to put myself out there, Alan. Okay. I would say everyone that can do it should do it. Because you can always recharacterize it. Who cares? If you right. don't want to keep it. And what we've done with people in very high tax brackets is that, all right, you do a Roth conversion and then you put it into an asset class that historically gives you a high expected rate of return. They're a lot more volatile than, let's say, blue chip stocks. Maybe you might go smaller companies, value type companies. You go emerging markets. Emerging right. markets, small value, right? Right. Talk about volatile, but you know, some years they're up 20, 30%. Some years they're down 60%. Right. So you put some, because you're probably going to hold in a globally diversified portfolio, you will hold, in our company anyway, you will hold an asset class like that. And so I don't want you to add more risk to your portfolio, but you'd look at your entire portfolio and you'd say, okay, well, which asset do I own that I believe will give me the highest expected rate of return, the highest probability? Then you take that asset class and you put that into a Roth IRA. 10,000, 50,000, 100, I don't care. And then you, now it's in a Roth IRA. And then you wait and to see how it performs over the next six, eight, 10 months. And if it performs, you keep it. Who cares what the tax is? Because now all of that growth that you just did is all yours tax-free. Then you rebalance, right? And if it goes down in value, well, then you recharacterize it. You put it right back into the IRA or retirement account like it never happened. So this is a, the, a, maybe your last chance to do this re, undo, redo, you know? Just kidding. I don't want to keep it. <laughs> it's such a big strategy. And, and I would say this, Joe, the, the, the clients that we've had where we've done this the last couple of years, even the ones that were in higher tax brackets than they wanted to be in because of the conversion, they actually kept their conversions because their accounts were up 20%, 25%, 30%. Hypothetically. And the, well, and the reason is because certain asset classes like emerging markets and small and value companies have done pretty well the last couple of years. 
years. Now, that's not to say it's going to happen again. Right. Right. And, and Joe, as you said it, it's like we don't want you to take any more risk. These asset classes would be in your IRA anyway. Yeah. You're, you're, you're just temporarily moving into the Roth to see. You're just it, parking it in another yeah. garage. Right. And you that, take the Corvette that goes really fast and you park it in another garage. Right. And if it if it, it if the tornado hits, it blows, <laughs> you know what? You file a claim and get your Corvette back. Yeah, we undo it. Well, that's quite an analysis, <laughs> right? <laughs> but that's that's what's but available I, right I now. I think too for for all of you um, stock pickers out there, right? Yeah. So if you have the golden goose, right? You've done your research, um, and if you've listened to our show, you know that we believe that stock picking is very difficult to do, and there's a very high probability of that not really working out very well long term. But I know a lot of you have a different opinion on that, and that's great. So if you believe that you have a particular security that a is significantly underpriced, that you believe that that you know this company's a gem, it's just you know waiting to find its way. Well, put that stock into a Roth IRA and see what happens, right? Convert it and, you know, um, because this could be the last year that, because the n- next year it, it might be irrevocable. You, you will never, I mean, we still can do um, conversions, which is great, but you might not be able to kind of get creative with your strategy. The other strategy related to that, Joe, is for um, for people that are in a low enough tax bracket, they might want to do two Roth IRAs and, and maybe do one Roth IRA, Roth conversion, in a real safe investment like government CDs, the other one in equities, stocks. And now it's like you see which one does better over the next 8 to 10, 11 months, and you keep that one. The one that doesn't do as well, you put that back, the recharacterization. That's available through December 31st. It may not be available next year. So... Check it out. See if it makes sense for you. I would imagine most of you, it does make sense to take a look at. Andre, do you have a Roth IRA set up yet? How long have you been helping producing this radio podcast? It's been several years. You spend more money on hair product than he does on... Yeah, but he's got great hair. He's got great hair. hair, Look at that fro. You can't deny that. He's got a great fro. (laughs) got a great throw. Well, in his defense, usually Deb is here. So he's he only pops in about once every other month. I don't care. Yeah. It's been at least five years. Yeah. He would have just saved $100 a month for the last five years. He would have several thousand dollars tax-free in a That's Roth right. IRA. And he would be ahead of the average. He would be ahead of the average. Yep. And guess what? He could buy a lot more hair product. <laughs> tax-free, <laughs> too. Dude. He's now, you know what he's going to have to? He's going to have to sell some of those locks. <laughs> For his retirement, he's gonna have to You're put right. that stuff in a bag. Right. Well, that's why he yeah. uses the hair products. That's his retirement plan. <laughs> right. Uh, all right. Hey, we got Walter Updegrave coming up, bud. Yeah, we do. And uh, I guess he, uh, what Susie Orman wrote a, a, a column recently, basically saying that you shouldn't retire until you're seventy. Are you a big fan of Susan Orman? Not particularly, but she. Um, a lot of people watch her. Anyway, uh, uh, Walter Updegrade, he, he, he commented on the article and he said, here is why she is wrong. So I'm kind of interested to see what he has to say. If there's a financial person, um, who would be the person you respect the most that's in the public? For me? Yeah. Joe Anderson. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I don't care for Susie Norman. Yeah, besides Joe? Uh, Anderson, I would say uh, Michael Kitsis. I think he's a real break, eh? Yeah. Kitsis. 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 What about Wade Fowl? Very break, eh? Yeah, he's another one. Yeah. I think uh, I like Scott Hansen. I think I would trust him. Oh, wow. You're a man crush. (laughs) 
what you asked me. Big Al's got a man crush <laughs> on Scott Hansen from Hansen McLean. <laughs> there was one guy I could go on a nice hike and spend I, some quality time I with. I probably him. will. Cause I right, if there's one person in the world that you could have dinner with, who would it be? Uh, let me think. Uh, Dead or alive? Um, Scott, Scott Hansen. <laughs> By the way, he's a financial advisor in Sacramento. Lo- love that guy. <laughs> if you would cheat on your wife with one person in the world, who would it be? Scott Hanson. Uh, Scott Hanson. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is just So, sad. but I, I guess, uh, you know, this group of financial planners I'm involved with is, does these crazy hikes every year. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a a one-day, 22-mile hike in Alaska next summer. I think Scott's going to on, go on the hike with us. Oh, I, I, may, I may get to hike side-by-side. Yeah. Scott Hanson. <laughs> you're going to untie his boot and maybe trip so he can help <laughs> save his life. I'll be able to talk with him for 12 hours in a row. <laughs> he won't be able to get away. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, big out. Clopine, jeez. Jeez. <laughs> I, I thought you were normal until I went on this hike with <laughs> yeah, you. right. Oh, goodness gracious. But what's um, up to grave? I forget his um, oh, what, the well, he's, hot damn retirement. <laughs> it's called uh, uh, Real Deal Retirement. Yeah, real, I knew com. it was like real something deal. snazzy there. Real Deal Retirement. Did you say hot damn retirement? Hot damn or something. That's my, oh, I Anyway, so it's, it's, I guess he's the editor of that website. He, I guess he was the, the editor for um, the money section of Money Magazine. Yeah, for years. Yeah, for years. For years. Yeah. People would write in questions, and he would answer them. And he's pretty, a real smart guy. Pretty bright guy. So I'm kind of looking forward to talking with him. Yeah, he understands um, retirement landscape fairly well. Fairly yeah. well. Um, some of the tidbits and things that you have to do. So um, I wonder if he'd want to go on a hike with me. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Uh, that would be something special. That conversation about Al's man crush has me wondering about that latest review of Your Money, Your Wealth on iTunes that mentions Joan Big Al's chemistry. Anyway, have you done a Roth conversion or recharacterization? Have you contributed to a Roth IRA, funded a solo 401k if you're a small business owner, looked at tax loss harvesting or tax gain opportunities, or had the surgery or met with all those clients? Now's the time to call 888-994-6257 and find out if any of these last-minute tax strategies and deductions are available to you. Get an end-of-year tax assessment for free and make sure you're taking advantage of current tax law. 2017's about to be in the rearview mirror and with it potentially a lot of current tax breaks call 888-994-6257 to get your free end of year tax assessment asap big al said time of the show again that it is we got another great guest yeah we got walter up to grave he's been on the show once before it's the real deal retirement you've been on a real deal retirement i have in You've fact, been reading? You've been studying? As, as a matter of fact... Is, is uh, he your go-to fact as, checker as, now? Yeah. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I was on it yesterday. How about that? And I know, Walter, you've written for Money Magazine for uh, several years, decades, actually. So thank you very much for joining the show. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I was wondering what that, that uh, uptick in traffic was that I noticed yesterday. That must have been you, Al. <laughs> I think it was. It doubled your, your people <laughs> getting on it, right? It increased it by very minuscule. Minuscule? All right. It wasn't too much then. My, my traffic is so high. <laughs> yeah. I like to think I make a difference, but maybe not this in this case. <laughs> So anyway, you wrote uh, this article. Susie Orman, uh, actually, you, you, you kind of responded to a column that she wrote where she said uh, you shouldn't retire until you're 70 
And then uh, you decided to write an article as to why she was wrong. Although I will say a couple things. You did, you did applaud her for, for trying to get people to work longer, which I think is a good thing. But, but why don't we jump right in? What, what, are, what are some of the problems with that concept? Uh, sure. Uh, first, I just want to say I wasn't looking to, to pick on Susie Orman. Oh, come on, Walter. It's, it's okay. It's, I'm sure it's you're, right. you, yeah, you, you can admit some, it. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> but when I, read, when I read her original article and when she said, and, and this is the, the quote from the article, 70 is the new retirement age, not a month or year before, I thought, wait a minute, that's, that's the no ambiguity. She's saying it's like, and then later she says 70 or later. And I thought to myself, this just doesn't make sense. You can't make these kind of blanket assertions as if everybody needs to hew to this one standard. And so that's, that's what led me to, to sort of respond in an article. And I did want to, as, as I did the article, give her credit for, you know, she brought up some valid points. You know, your money has to last very long. She talks that, you know, pe many people live into their, into their 90s. And you have, so if you're retiring in your 60s, you're talking about 30 years that your money has to last has to last. And so I think it was very good that she brought that point up. And she also made some points about Social Security, about uh, taking that later rather than sooner. Uh, although I don't think that 70 is necessarily the age you, everybody should wait for. But in general, I think it's good to sort of think about postponing. And so I tried to, you know, give her uh, uh, credit for, for bringing those things up. But the whole idea that there's this one age uh, 70 or otherwise, that everybody needs, you know, should should shoot for in retiring. Just just doesn't make sense. I mean, and I and it's I mean it's pretty pretty simple. I mean, it really kind of comes down to there are so many different situations that people have. I mean, you know, some people have jobs that they find really interesting and they're satisfying and they want to stay on them as long as they can and they may want to work past 70. That's great for them. Nothing nothing wrong with that. Other people may have jobs that they you know kind of see as a drudge and they don't really like. Uh, and they want to, they, they don't want to stay on them any longer than, than they have to. Uh, and then, you know, there are a lot of uh, situations where somebody, you know, might, might decide that uh, even though they, they sh probably should stay a few more years to try to, you know, build a little bit of a larger nest egg, for whatever reason, they can't take it either physically or they just, you know, are really dissatisfied with the job. So the, I could see somebody like that saying, all right, I'm going to retire a little bit earlier, and then maybe it means I have to, you know, take my standard of living down a couple of notches. So there are just all sorts of things that all sorts of um, individual, you know, subjective, personal uh, decisions that, that go into, you know, deciding when to retire. And so a blanket statement of 70 just, uh, it, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, and I think that's a good point because, I mean, Joe and I are financial planners and you're a financial journalist. And so we have jobs as as long as we still have our mind and we can speak and communicate we've got we have the ability to keep on working but not all jobs are like that. There are some jobs that require a lot of physical uh, exertion, activity and and you may or may not be able to do that till you're age 70. Yeah, but that's only the minority though. I mean, I I I think I'm kind of torn here Walter because I agree that most people should delay. And I think, you know, when you look at Susie Orman in the audience that, that she is probably catering to, 
Um, you know, most people haven't saved. There's the statistics show that most people do not necessarily have enough money. And I think by just putting a blanket statement of saying retiring at 70 might help people just to put it in their minds where they can't retire at 62 because they only have $50,000 saved and they're spending $40,000 a year. I mean, a lot of times they don't have the simple arithmetic skills just to kind of put two and two together to figure out exactly how to create the income. So we might be giving some people the benefit of the doubt. Well, I, I agree. I mean, there, and, and in the article, I sort of say that, you know, there are certain things that you have to, that you, questions that you need to look at before you decide to retire. Right. Uh, and you know, starting with, do you have enough savings to fund an acceptable lifestyle? And so you should go through a process of, um, you know, uh, what kind of income will I get from Social Security? Uh, do I have any pensions? What, how much do, uh, money do I have saved? What can I reasonably expect to get from that in terms of draws or if I buy an annuity or something like that? And then, you know, look at what your, your, your expenses are likely to be. That's the kind of, if you go through that analysis and you find that, you know, you're not close, and, and, and I think people need to go through that analysis not on the eve of retirement. They should definitely be, uh, be starting that kind of, that, that sort of analysis at least a decade ahead. Um, and so if you go through that sort of analysis, you may very well find, gee, you know, I would like to retire at whatever age, 62, 65, or, or whatever, um, and, you say, and you realize that that's just not feasible. And so then you, you, you come up with a plan to make it, uh, you know, to, uh, to make it more likely that you'll, you will be able to do that. But, for example, just saying 70, I mean, what about somebody, there are, there are people, and I'm not saying they're in the majority, but there are a lot of people and there have been some, some, some interesting studies on this where they've asked people how prepared they are for retirement. What they find is that people err on both sides. Some people think they're in great shape and they're not even close. There are other people who think they're not prepared where, where in fact, they actually do have the, the financial wherewithal to retire. So for somebody, let's say, who really wants to retire but thinks, oh, gee, I may not have enough, I'm going to work till 70, where, in fact, if they could retire at 66, think of it. That's four years of them doing something or, or, or foregoing the benefit of retirement when they might have had it. So I just I agree that, that, that for a lot of people, uh, the, the idea they, is that they maybe need to get themselves in the frame of mind, they may have to work a few extra years, but that should be based on some sort of an actual analysis, not some sort of a statement. Uh, the, 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 the <laughs> well, whatever Susie Orman says is gospel. Yeah, Come that's on. what that's what we thought. But, but no, you bring up a good point, Walter. Is that uh, and I think most people feel that way. In in my experience of of about twenty years of helping people um, in retirement, is that the, the the ones that have a lot of money worry more, and they're thinking, "Man, I I've, I've accumulated this wealth, but I I still don't feel that I have enough." Um, because they're more or less savers, they're not necessarily spenders, and and you're absolutely right. It's, it's some of our, you know, some some people that we've helped or talked to or or whatever. They they have plenty of assets, but they feel worried that they don't necessarily have enough. And then the next day, you have someone that comes in that doesn't nearly have enough that is in content that they 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 do. So yeah, there's a disconnect there. And we've also had people on this this program. Uh, the, the, the fire um, individuals, financial independence retire early where they're saving like 90% of their income and they want to retire at age 40. So, I mean, I guess the, the, the spectrum goes all over the place. So I agree with you. I, I guess I'm getting all fired up for nothing. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, I, I, no, I think that's a valid point because I think also, you're right, I get a lot of uh, feedback from people who want to retire early. For, you know, for a lot of people, that's, that's, that's a dream, that's something they want to do, and, they, and a lot of people really do work to make that a reality. And that's great if you can pull it off. It requires a lot of savings. So it's not the, the, the average person is going to have a very difficult time doing that. But there are people who really commit themselves to it. And I think even those people, you know, sometimes you need, they. I think they as well need to go through a process like, okay, I'm going to retire at 50. Uh, what am I going to do for those next 40 years? Uh, you know, what, will I have something to occupy me to make that time sort of worthwhile and meaningful, not just sort of a period of marking time you know retirement isn't just like a very long vacation it's you're going to be spending a lot of years in it so i think even those people need to sort of do some preparation this you know what, what i and i'm sure others you know call lifestyle planning you know what how are you going to spend actual days in retirement what's going to keep you busy when you don't have the sort of the structure of a nine-to-five job uh to you know uh to tell you put uh, some uh, backbone to your to your day or a structure uh, so I think that all of the, all of these things that's that's what makes sort of makes retirement planning kind of uh, both difficult and interesting because it's not just a it's not just a, a an equation it's not just an algorithm uh, you know people uh, some people may decide you know what uh, I I'm going to you know because there are different things you can change you can cut back the, the way that you're going to live maybe you. you uh, you don't do as much traveling or whatever as you thought, or you find ways to reduce your expenses. There are all sorts of little sort of workarounds that you can do, and that's what makes it such an individual decision, I think. But as you say, I think it all has to start at least in the beginning with where do I stand financially? Because you want to be realistic about the resources you, that, that you have and what kind of income they can produce. And I think the other thing, and you brought this up in your article, is the Employee Benefit Research Institute. Each year they do a retirement con- confidence survey. And in 2017, they found out almost half of retirees le- leave the workforce earlier than planned. And that's been a sort of a consistent number year after year. And that's because they have health problems or, or maybe they got down, their company got downsized, they lost their job, or maybe they're taking care of a spouse or even parent or, or whoever. So, and if that's true, that means half of us don't really have any control necessarily over when we retire. Yes, I, I agree. And, and, uh, uh, and uh, I'll say this, to Susie's credit, she had uh, cited a, a similar uh, statistic uh, from, I think it was a uh, uh, Transamerica Center study uh, that talked about 30% of people uh, having health issues. Um, so you're right, you know, some, somewhere up around half of people may, may wind up being sort of involuntarily retired. You know, one of the things that I, I also find kind of interesting, I like the idea of people thinking, you know, being realistic about how long they may have to, they may have to work. Um, and, if, you know, for some people it may very well be to 70. There is a certain way, though, that this kind of mindset could backfire a little bit, and that's this. If people say, you know what? I really, I'm, there's no doubt I'm going to have to work till 70. In a certain sense, that may take a little bit of pressure off people and saving because they figure they have longer, more time to do it, and so maybe they don't have to save quite as much. Uh, I also think the same dynamic sometimes work with people who, you, you, you see all these surveys of people who are going to work in retirement. It's usually it's somewhere around 80% of people say they're going to work part-time in retirement. And then you look at the Employee Benefit Research Institute 
Uh, also, within that, that study that you mentioned, they have another question where they ask how many retirees actually do work part-time, and the figure is more like 20%. So there's a little bit of a disconnect. So I think that in some cases, sometimes people may use this idea, oh, I'm going to work part-time or I'm going to stay in the workforce longer, as possibly a, 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 an excuse to maybe not save as much as they should because they think they have more time. So I, I think that you need to be careful about your, your ex, about your expectations and what you're basing your sort of savings plan on. You said that very nicely. Walter, because that is so true, is that, all right, well, here, I'm going to retire or, or quit this job, but I'm going to consult next year, and um, I'll probably make you know $200,000 a year. I mean, then Alan and I look at each other, and it's like, are you crazy? I mean, if you could consult at $200,000 a year and work 20 hours a week? I, mean, I think people live in fantasy land, and you're right. It's just an excuse for them not necessarily to save and then to continue to push it out. And, and you brought a really good point of, hey, this age 70, it's just going to procrastinate um, even further what they should be taking care of today. Yes, I, I, I think that people, when, if somebody is thinking, and, and that's not to say that working in retirement can't be a good thing. It could be good to produce some extra income, can be, you know, keep you socially engaged. But I think the people who are planning on that, uh, one of the things they certainly ought to do is go to a, a couple of websites like retiredbrains.com, uh, uh, retirementjobs.com, and just sort of, you know, look at the kind of jobs they might be able to get there and see what they're going to pay. Because it's very difficult for most people to, in, in as, you know, in retirement to get any, to earn anything close to what they were earning earlier, uh, in their, in their careers. And so, you, again, it kind of comes down to expectations. It's great to make plans and have, and, and have, uh, things that you want to do, but to the extent that before you retire, you can research them. You know, what kind of jobs could I actually get? What do they pay? Or if somebody is thinking, oh, you know what? I'm going to move to an area of the country where the living costs are lower. Okay, go to those places. Take some vacations to those areas. Uh, visit them a few times to, and find out, do you really like living there? So it's all that sort of, you know, don't just think that you're going to do something. Actually do a little bit of research to see if it will actually pan out. We're talking to Walter Updegrave. You had a great article. Check out his website. It's realdealretirement.com, realdealretirement.com. Hey, Walter, I know you're busy. Thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with you. I want to wish uh, you a very happy Thanksgiving and uh, happy holidays. Okay, thanks a lot, Joe. I'll send to you guys. Okay, we'll talk to you soon. If you've missed any of our previous podcasts and want to get caught up over the Thanksgiving weekend, just visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Download riveting interviews, get our podcast newsletter, watch clips and full episodes of the Your Money, Your Wealth TV show, and take advantage of a huge learning center full of webinars, articles, white papers like our new retirement readiness guide, and much more. It's all available at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. And if you need more help or information, just pick up the phone and call us at 888-994-6257. If you've got a really good money question, we might even put you on the show. Visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257. Alan, I got 20 retirement stats that will blow you away. <laughs> oh, are you going to do the list this time? No, I'm just going to go through a couple of them. A couple of them? All right. But I am... Um... You know, Am I going to be blown away, or these kind of? Just I guarantee you, I will not be blown away on stuff. any of these stats. Okay, but I'll throw some numbers out there, and um, and then you can see if you because we've we've gone through. God, we're pretty close today. 
Yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm right? going to kiss you or something. <laughs> we need a little more separation. Is, I mean, I, I like you and all. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but it's like and I, it's, we're, it's, we're like singing a duet it's, with one it's, mic. It's brotherly love yes. today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 72,000, that number, does that uh, mean anything to you? 72,000. Uh, no, enlighten me. Okay, I will. Americans are living longer than they used to be. It's estimated that America is home to about 72,000 centurions. Oh, really? Wow. People aged 100, 100 and older. And above. Yeah, yeah. what's a 70? Uh, Septitarian? <laughs> I don't know. Something like that. I know. Octitarian. Is uh, that 80? It could be. And I don't know about 90. All right. How about this? Um, you probably get this one. 275,000. Uh, that would be the cost of medical expense for a married for a couple at age sixty-five. Wow, look at big Al. They get that right. Healthcare can cost more than you think, according to Fidelity Investments. A sixty-five-year-old couple retiring today will spend, on average, a total of two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars of out-of-pocket expense on healthcare. Right. That's just the copays and yeah, and the supplemental insurance right, and, and your deductibles, and everything else that that the insurance didn't cover. And that doesn't even include long-term care, does it? That does not. So I think, yeah, but we've talked about this a million times too. You know where I'm going with this. I do, but we. It's but it's a new day. Let's say it again. <laughs> but <laughs> but here you you see two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. What's the first thing that will come to most people's minds? Well, you think I don't have it, so I'm I'm screwed. I I only have two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars total, and I got to use that for food for and food? rent and yes. utilities, so right. I, so I don't get medical. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna just eat. What I can and so then how die. You, how should we look at that? Well, 275,000. So what they're doing is a 65 through 85, probably, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah, probably a little longer. Yeah. So let's just say 20, 25-year retirement. Yeah. So you take $275,000 divided into 20. Right. Right. That's the annual expense yeah. um, per year for a couple. So $27,000. We'll, we'll say whatever. So so fifteen. Thirteen thousand uh, per person, and maybe it's closer to ten. Some in some cases we've seen five thousand dollars per right. person, ten thousand for a couple, and that's average. So some people are really sick and they need a lot more care. Yeah, you know, while other people are healthy. So you take an average; it's going to cost ten thousand dollars on average per year for out-of-pocket healthcare costs. Yeah, so you just have to have the income to support that. You don't need a lump sum of two hundred seventy-five thousand. But the way that's always worded is exactly how we think. It's right. like, well. You're right. I only have 200000 so I guess I'm not getting any medical. Well, you have income from Social Security, maybe from a pension, maybe from your portfolio. That's how you cover these things. Do you got a calculator on you? I am on my phone, sure. Right. I got a calculator app. Okay. So well, let's do this. So let's say the average Social Security um, benefit is what? $1,300? Yeah, we'll go with that. Per person. So let's go $2,600. Yeah, oh, you mean for a couple? Yeah, $2,600 okay. per multiply, month. Multiply that by 12, okay. so that's 31200 right. and then multiply that by 25. Oh, I was going to do the present value, but okay. Just, right? Just make it simple. So that's 780000 that you're going to be receiving. Exactly. So over that you'll same 25 be receiving $800,000 in Social Security benefits so some on of that, average. Some of that needs to go to medical. But uh, do they ever say that? No, Never. Never. <laughs> right, no. They're saying Social Security benefits, the average is only $1,200 per month, blah, blah, blah. But when they talk about the health care, no, it's going to cost you 275000 Yeah, and I don't have it. I got a hundred hundred grand <laughs> in my 401k. Yeah. Exactly. 
Oh, man. Anyway, see, I'm sure a lot of you are feeling that much better about your retirement. Of course. Just now, because now, now you we, You know in. what, Joe? Now we can relax for Thanksgiving. Yeah. Knowing that... Well, th- this is supposed to be an evergreen show, Al. <laughs> evergreen? <laughs> evergreen. What does that mean? Th- th- we can play this show in July. Okay. Oh, anytime. Anytime. Uh, so we can't mention Christmas, Hanukkah, or I, Thanksgiving. We can on live radio. I mean, I know this goes out to podcasts, but who cares? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the rebellion. All right. Let's see. Um, 10%. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about here. Ten percent. Let's see. Is that the is that the penalty when you take money out of your IRA before fifty nine? It, it, it and a half? is. It, it could mean a lot of things. Yeah. But in 2014, a Mass Mutual survey found that 10 percent of retirees were surprised to find themselves lonely, bored, with a lost sense of purpose, and or depressed in retirement. Uh, okay. All right. Ten percent. Ninety percent are pretty stoked. Yeah. It's like this. This is pretty cool. I should yeah. have done this a long time ago. Yeah. But 10% of you... No good. Life sucks. <laughs> so which are you in? Well, right, well, I don't know. I'm probably the 10 percenter. <laughs> well, that's, I guess that's why you're, you're, you're trying to get more balance. Yes. You're, you're playing a lot more golf now, yes. which I applaud. Yes, thank How's you. the golf game going? It's not bad. Yeah. It could be a lot better, but yep. It's, yep. it's early. It's pretty good. It's yeah. early. All right. You want, uh, you want a couple more here? Sure. I like this. All right. 72%. What do you think that means? 72 percent uh no idea that same survey that we just talked about with mass mutual found that 72 percent of retired respondents reported feeling quite happy or extremely happy in retirement oh wow okay okay so there's there, i don't know there's where's the other 15 percent they're not dis- sure <laughs> there's a little disconnect Dep- i don't depends, know some days are depends, diamonds depends some on the days day are right stones. okay got right. it uh that's a john denver reference for you okay you, you like john denver yeah, I do like John Denver. Yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. I got the uh, I had the two album set called An Evening with John Denver. Great two album set. Really? Yeah. Of course now it's it's not even CDs anymore. It's uh, you just Extreme. you download it on iTunes or you go to Spotify and there it is. Okay, here's something else for you. 21%. Um Fidelity reported that uh fully a Let's see. That fully a fifth of workers don't seem to be contributing enough to their 401k accounts to get all of the matching funds offered by their employer. That's a shame since matching funds are free money. Um, so they're not fully funding their 401k plans to get the match. Even to the match. And what I don't know, because I don't have that in front of me, probably doesn't even say, does that include only people that are contributing? And so there's a whole bunch of people that aren't yeah. contributing anything. Correct. Yeah. So the, there's only a fifth of workers that are contributing that are taking advantage of the full match. Got it. Okay. Right. You're right. Oh, so then here's the the ones that we hear quite a bit. Yeah. Um, amount saved for retirement. Um, and then let me just see if I can find where, um, let's see. Four, Is this, uh, you mean like this average amount saved for retirement? Yeah. So less than 1,000. What percentage do you think? Um, less, than 1, less than 1,000? Less than $1,000. Uh, I'm going to say 50%. Wow. Al, 26%. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not as bad as I thought. One thousand to ten thousand. Sixteen percent. Okay. So if you take twenty-six and sixteen, it's a pretty high number. Yeah. So we're almost forty percent, right? That's, Between those two. Right. So so ten thousand or less, it's about forty percent of the people. Forty-two percent is yeah, yeah. below ten thousand. Yeah. Uh, ten thousand to twenty-five thousand is twelve percent. Okay. 
So if I look at 26, 16, and 12, right, that's a big number that's under 25,000. That's more than half. And, and by the way, if you've saved $25,000, uh, that's going to give you, what, about $1,000 of income of a year? Income a year, give or take. Yeah. Yeah. $250,000 or more. 14% of people have saved 250000 or more. 14. 14. Okay. So the majority are under 25000 um, that have saved. Got it. So that's not looking all that great. Not looking all that great. And let's see. I'll wrap it up with one more. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Four percent. So that would be the distribution amount recommended for a 65-year-old is to how much money to be able to pull out of his investment portfolio. Yeah. The four percent rule uh, can help you plan for retirement. It suggests that your money might last about 30 years if you withdraw just four percent in the first year and adjust that for inflation. The rule has some significant flaws, but it's still helpful as a rough guide so um, we use that rule to look at specifically, I guess, how much of a nest egg that you need yeah, to you give you a guide. Kind of work it backwards. Work right? it backwards. Yeah. So it's, all right, well, if I want to spend $40,000 per year, how much money should I have? Okay, well, you need to at least have a million dollars. But then once you start taking distributions from the account, it's not like, okay, no, just pull 4% out. No, it's going to be dependent on a lot of different things. Hey, hopefully this helped. Um, we had a great time doing the show. For Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Happy, uh, well, uh, yeah, have a happy Thanksgiving week. We'll see you next time. Show's called Your Money or Well. To recap today's show, tax reform may affect you hugely. So finding out how before the end of the year is important. And working until you're 70 might be the best idea, or it might not. And it's not up to Susie Orman or Walter Updegrave to decide that for you. But getting a professional opinion on your personal situation before you make the decision is a great idea. Call 888-994-6257 to get help before you make any major financial decisions. And septuagenarians, octogenarians, nonagenarians, and centenarians. That's all I'm going to say about that. Special thanks to our guest, Walter Updegrave. Read more from Walter at realdealretirement.com. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out those ratings and reviews. If you've got a money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, call 888-994-6257 or email us at info at purefinancial.com. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through the broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Happy Thanksgiving. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.